You're listening to the ghost host, Sophia Temporelli, on LiveParanormal.com. Bill Murphy of Sci-Fi Channel Psychopathic Paranormal Files, wishing Sophia Tipparelli congratulations on her second year as ghost host on LiveParanormal.com. This is Christopher Sanders with my ghost story on biography. You are listening to The Ghost Host with Sophia Tipparelli. Weekly, 12 p.m. to 2 p.m. on LiveParanormal.com. Hey, this is Jason Gates of Haunted Collector, and I just wanted to say congratulations to The Ghost Host, Sophia Tipparelli, for celebrating over two years in broadcasting on LiveParanormal.com. Hi, this is Dana Workman from Haunted Highway on Sci-Fi, and you're listening to The Ghost Host. Sophia Temporelli on LiveParanormal.com. Boom. Hey, this is Zach Bagans from Ghost Adventures, and you are listening to the ghost host, Sophia Temporelli on LiveParanormal.com. Today we have Boring Patrick, Alan Lilly. We have all to come to know the actor Butch Patrick as the lovable character Eddie Munster from the classic 60s hit series, The Munsters, which is still syndicated globally today. Currently, Butch Patrick is in production of the Make-In Project documentary regarding the haunting of his grandmother's early Victorian mansion, where he and his sister Michelle spent much time in their childhood. So, Dad, let's bring Butch Patrick into the show. Hello, how are you? So, Mr. Patrick, to start off, how many boys initially auditioned for the role of Eddie Munster for the show? You know, I was actually living in the Midwest with my grandmother at the time, but I was told there was several hundred. Wow, that's wow. a lot. Yeah, I was lucky. They uh, they had narrowed it. They, they had actually hired someone to do it, and they weren't happy with the kid named Happy. His name was Happy Derman. And a woman named Joan Marshall was playing the character, the mother character, as Phoebe. And at the last minute, they brought in myself and Yvonne DiCarlo to do a screen test. They flew me out directly for a screen test. And uh, they straight up, they, they hired us both on the spot, and then they altered the, uh, the cast at the last second. Wow. So Yeah, really. <laughs> my, all my family was wondering, do you have the original um, Wolfie doll to this day? No, I had him. I got him. I was out at the studio about seven years after the Munsters doing an Ironside, and the prop master came up and gave him to me, and I took him home, and then I didn't take very good care of him, and he uh, he sort of fell apart. And then we made a mold to recreate him, and I have that original with armature body to where he's posable, and uh, we actually sold 93 of the uh, aftermarket dolls to collectors over a 20-year period. 
but I have the uh, the one that was the the original mold from the original. So it's kind of like oh, oh, wow. around. When not filming on the set for the Munsters, what places did you like to explore around the backstages of the studio lot, and what cool sets and shows did you see in production at the time? Oh gosh, there was quite a few. There was a lot. There was actually a lot of movies going on. There was a few western series, and there was this and there was that. But mostly there were features, feature films being produced out there, and they would last about three months, and then they would do another one and another one. So you figure thirty sound stages with uh, four movies per year. So that's a hundred. There must have been a few hundred movies shot while I was there. And um, the few that I remember, there was the next door neighbor. There was one called Torn Curtain which I believe was an Alfred Hitchcock movie with uh, Paul Newman in it. And then there was L. Sid with Charlton Heston. I saw him walking around quite often. Um, but over the, over, you know, most of the time I was just uh, working, and when I would get a chance to go exploring, I would go down to the uh, McHale's Navy Lagoon. They were doing a series called McHale's Navy, which is very popular. And then I would go to the western sets, the Virginian, uh, Wagon Train, and a few other sets were also uh, available to me. That's fun. Wow. Ernie Borgnine was very sweet, and Tim Conway and Joe Flynn, the whole crew. There was a lot of people on the set. There was a lot of uh, on the studio lot at that time, a lot of activity. So from the cast of the Munsters, including you, who took the longest time in makeup? I would think you'd be Herman. You are correct. He was two hours a day in the morning and then many touch-ups throughout the day. A lot of makeup. So... <laughs> Tell us about Fred Gwynn, Yvonne DiCarlo, Grandpa Al Lewis, and Pat Priest on and off the Munster set. Well, um, I didn't really see him too much off the set. We would all meet on the lot and work, and then they would go their separate ways. But while we were working together, Fred was uh, very talented, kind of a, a, a reserved, quiet kind of guy who loved to play music and sketch and uh, went about his business. Al Lewis was a very out, out um, outgoing person personality. They both enjoyed sports. Uh, Al was a huge and uh, huge basketball fan. He uh, would uh, scout talent for NBA teams. Um, Yvonne DiCarlo was pretty much uh, a mother, you know, and a, and a movie star. She was probably the biggest name on the show. Uh, Pat Priest, who came in as Marilyn after the first thirteen episodes, uh, had children herself. She was. Um, she had kind of an interesting life herself before she became an actress. Her mother was treasurer of the United States back in the 50s, so Pat spent a lot of time in Washington, D.C. with uh, right. Eisenhower. Wow, and, so, and you still like see her at events and conventions, right? Yeah, we, I was just with her last weekend in Salt Lake City. Pat and I are very close. I visited her in Idaho at her home. Uh, we, you know, Like I say, we're, we're, we're friends, uh, first and foremost, and occasionally we do uh, appearances together. So, Mr. Patrick, what is the status of your upcoming book, Munster Memories, that you are currently composing, and what can we expect from the work? Well, it's mostly about what the show has meant to people on many levels. Uh, the fan appreciation is one factor, uh, how many people enjoyed it, why they enjoyed it. Another factor is the collectibles, the people who have been collecting Munster Memorabilia over the years, and the super collectors. We have... Okay. Um, we have some segments in there regarding uh, some chapters regarding the uh, hot rods and the car clubs and people that were inspired to open car clubs and have hot rods because we have the show uh, with the first hot rods on TV. Uh, mostly, though, it is all about the, the friendly fans and the appreciation of what people have come up 
why they enjoy the show, why they watch, like watching it with their children and their grandchildren today, that it's got a very good moral fiber, and it brings back fond memories of a time long gone by. What is it like when you watch the shows on a rerun to see yourself on TV? Uh, it's like really good home movies. <laughs> oh, right. Uh, yeah. yeah, well, it, it is because it's something that I've seen all my life and people like to show them and they like to, you know, relive them and they're always asking questions regarding certain episodes and certain things they like. So it's never really gone far from my memory because it's always been uh, rekindled through uh, stories and uh, references from people. The one thing that's really interesting about the 60s in general was um, it was a very interesting decade, and even today students in school and college are learning about the 60s because it had such social impact on the world, you know, not only music and television, but uh, civil rights in America, and just a lot of things happened in the 60s. It's a very big decade to be part of, you know, for me anyway, and for the world. But the interesting thing about it is thousands and thousands of television shows have been produced you know, throughout the years, and to be on a show that was unique in itself just because of the makeup and the the way it was done, but also to be one of the more popular, maybe 20 or 30 most popular shows of all time is, is a huge um, honor. And the fact that it was right. only on two years, it was only on two years, and yet 50 years later, they still they still sell every year. There's new uh, licenses issued for toys and T-shirts and memorabilia. So the staying power of this little two-year show is is phenomenal. You own the title Monsters.com. What can we expect from visiting the site? It's a very simple site. It's a, it's, it's it's there's not a whole there's not a whole lot to it. It's a it's there's information regarding the cast. There's uh, I put a blog on there. Uh, I try to do it weekly, maybe bi-weekly. Uh, and then there's also my schedule for when I'm out and about. There's a, there's a Munster store for people that would like to purchase things. And I'm working on it now with the, with the book coming out. It's going to become more interactive uh, as I start doing more things as well. So, But it's I've owned it for a long time. It's basically for an entry-level person that doesn't know much about the Munsters, it's a great place to go get some information and do a little background and references and stuff and some information for people. Well, my dad received a question from an audience member, Scott, before the show. He asked if you are friends with other child act actors, such as Brandon Cruz of The Courtship of Eddie's Father, ba Danny Bonaduce of The Partridge Family, and Bill Mooney of Lost in Space. So do you keep in touch with many from that work era today? I keep in touch with Brandon quite often. I've known Brandon since 1969. We did a movie together with Wayne Newton. Uh, called 80 Steps to Jonah. We became friends. I was 15. He was about eight years old, I think, at that time. Uh, Danny Bonaducci, I see occasionally, not too often, but once in a while I'll do his radio show. Bill Mooney, I see pretty often. Bill's a good friend, and I see him occasionally where he's out in the West Coast where I live. I uh, saw him at a show maybe two or three weeks ago, and I'm probably going to have dinner with him in the next couple days. So, yeah, I see Bill and wow. uh, his, his lovely wife, Eileen. Uh, Brandon and I both work with the sober community because he's a counselor at Beverly Hills 180, and I've been sober over three and a half years myself, so I work with the Oasis Treatment Center, and he works with another one in Beverly Hills. So we have similar stories about getting out there in the 60s and running amok with uh, our uh, addiction issues and both getting better late in life, so that's a good thing.
Well, congratulations. Thank you. In 1982, how did it come about that you performed the hit song music video, Whatever Happened to Eddie, on a very new network at the time called MTV? Uh, at that particular time, I knew a friend who was a musician who actually lived with Stuart Copeland in Europe for years before the police, and he wanted to do rock videos. I wanted to get into rock videos, so we decided to take his, uh, his production talents and my production talents. We wrote some lyrics to the Munster's theme called Whatever Happened to Eddie. We produced a video, and then we basically got it on MTV without a record contract back in the day when that was very unusual. And as a matter of fact, we were the first unsigned act ever to be on MTV. So we were proud of that. From that idea, they started doing a show called The Basement Tapes, which showcased unsigned talent doing basically their own um, production videos to music. So a lot of people got some exposure, and hopefully I'd like to think that some, some careers were launched from our idea. Kyle, you, um, you were not allowed to go near the basement of your grandmother's early Victorian home when staying there. What paranormal experiences did your sister Michelle let you know about in the home? And what did what formed the activity there or the entity did it reveal itself it did to my sister i was uh, basically outside most of the time either fishing with my grandfather or going hunting or hanging around with my friends i was in the i was in the eighth grade at the time so i was like a 13 year old kid spending a lot of time out out and about in a small town michelle on the other hand spent a lot of time with my grandma inside the house uh, my grandma had a, a huge antique collection, and she was a, uh, a businesswoman in that respect, so they spent a lot of time together. And Michelle was always fascinated with skeleton keys and this and that because her company is actually called Keys for My Castle. But she saw a woman, I think in her, the way she describes her uh, on the sizzle reel, is in her early 30s uh, in white, long braided hair and always hovering and handing her around the stairway which I believe is where she died. And I believe she died somewhere in the early 1900s is the case. And I never saw anybody, I never saw a ghost that Michelle did several times. And I suppose my, I think my grandmother saw her too. So clairvoyant and paranormal researcher Bonnie Venn and other field investigative teams have conducted sessions within the residence and documentation productions. What has been the conclusion in their findings and evidential capture so far? A couple of things that occurred. Bonnie actually hasn't been to the property as of yet. She's going to get there. We had a gentleman named Michael Lynch come in from St. Louis with his cameras and his uh, meters and all his equipment, found 13 entities, was very excited, uh, did the sizzle reel. I don't know if you saw the YouTube sizzle reel on the Macon house with me and my sister yeah. and, the former, and the former owner and Bonnie. Um, we had some local people come in and, and ask permission to do some research, which we agreed. And what they did is the two interesting things that I found were the ping pong ball and the windowsill that basically moved, but moved in such a manner to where it had to be lifted and replaced. It just didn't roll because they had marked a spot on the ball where if it had, if it had rolled, the spot would have been up high. And as opposed to the way they did it, it was down low, so it showed that somebody and physically removed it and replaced it, not just the wind rolling it across the windowsill. And then number two, that same day, it was a mid-90-degree day, and the temperature never wavered from 63 to 64 degrees on the porch all day long. 
Wow. So, well, I have to do my, my part, too. I always get wrapped up in the guests and everything. Yeah, this is the Ghost Host Show with Sophia Temporelli on LightParanormal.com. Our guest today, uh, Butch Patrick of uh, Eddie Munsters, we all know, and uh, of the hit classic series, uh, The Munsters. This, uh, again, on LightParanormal.com, the Ghost Host Show with Sophia Temporelli. We're going to take a quick commercial break, come right back with uh, and uh, for the late edition of the show. And, um, yeah, can't wait, and uh, we'll be right back. Hi, this is Dustin Perry, the Paranormal Rockstar, and you're listening to The Ghost Coast with the most, Sophia Temporelli, only on LiveParanormal.com. Hi, this is Jeff Belanger, host of 30 Odd Minutes, founder of GhostVillage.com, and author of lots of your favorite paranormal books, and you're listening to The Ghost Host, Sophia, on LiveParanormal.com. and you are listening to the ghost host Sophia Temporilli on LiveParanormal.com. This is Team Investigators. Edward, Frank, Steve, Candy, Jessica, from California Ghost Chasers, and you're listening to the ghost host Sophia Temporilli on LiveParanormal.com. This is author Alexandra Holzer, and you're listening to Ghost Host Sophia Temporelli. Hi, this is Professor Lloyd Auerbach, parapsychologist, and you're listening to the Ghost Host with Sophia Temporelli on LiveParanormal.com. Hey, we well, have a surprise for we have a surprise for you too. Uh, and uh, let's see here. Let me bring her on. Let's see, Michelle, is that you? Yes, this is Michelle. Hi, Michelle. Oh, you, hi, Michelle. You... <laughs> hi, hi, hi. There's my sister who sees the ghost. Well, yeah. Yeah. Here. Yeah. What did What did you actually see? A full figural apparition? Was it pictured images? No, she was she was all there. She was a um, very petite woman, dressed in a long dress, uh, long hair. Um, I she looked sad. That was always what I told my grandmother when I saw her that she looked sad, not at all menacing or scary, just sad. Oh, I never saw her. I, that, that was the whole thing that I wasn't aware of these ghostly images at all until recently when my sister explained it to me. So I was totally surprised and. So now I'm looking forward to seeing her when I get the get back to the house and start restoration and take you know take the purchase of it. Well, the city is the, Michael Lynch who did the uh, sizzle reel and came in and did the investigation did a lot of research on the town. Um, there's a there's a family called the Waddells who were like the richest family in town and they built an incredible house which is across the street from my grandma's house which was their main residence and it was like, you know, multi-stories, a ballroom on the second floor. I mean, really an incredible property. 
And then every time one of their kids would get married, they would build them a home in town. So there's four houses similar, three other ones similar to the one that my grandma owned. And Michelle, across the street, what, what was, the, what was the, uh, the house across the street used as? Oh, well, when we were there, uh, when we were young, it was, uh, it was used as kind of a, I don't want to say mental institution, but it was for some, it was kind of uh, a hospital for um, mental patients. I don't think there was anybody, well, I really don't know that much. I wasn't allowed on the grounds, but I, I could see the patients on, on the grounds from across the street, and um, oh, wow. everybody kind of just stayed away from it. I, we saw the house the last time we visited. It's it's needs repair, but it was just a gorgeous home. And there's a tunnel that goes from our house to that house under the road. We just found that out recently. Well, well, the town itself has a lot of historical stuff going on. There was basically it was a big coal mining situation. There were some Shanghai's going on, Shanghai going on for people for labor. It was also there was a lot of um, in the in the late 1800s there was a lot of you know like late slave stuff going on. So there was an interesting an interesting uh, a bit of history. Jesse James was in the area. There was caverns and just a lot of stuff. Aside from just my grandma's house, the whole area is very, very deep in historical and paranormal activity. Wow! Um, but Michelle, wow! And just that's an incredible place to grow up. Did you did you guys collectively spend like summers there? And I spent quite a bit of time with my grandmother, but we were really close. Um, and she was. She taught me a lot about. She was an antique collector from the time she was a child, and she had three stores. And she she actually did several estate sales when she sold that house because it was it was enormous. She had so much so much stuff. The house was just packed with antiques. And um, so uh, yeah, we were really close. And I was. I, I loved being there. It was it was different being born and raised in California to be in Missouri in the winter. It was freezing, but. Um, when Butch and I visited, although he said he's never felt anything in the house, I was never allowed to go into the basement. And um, we we took the we took the trip to the basement when when we were there. And Butch, you were freaked out. Don't lie. <laughs> it was it was scary down there. Yeah, it was scary. It was, it was very interesting, very cold and clammy, and it, it looked a lot like Grandpa's dungeon in the Munster house. <laughs> it really did. And and our cameras wouldn't work down there. They worked everywhere in the house but the basement. They just went dead. So did the phone very weird yeah wow but hey michelle thanks so much for coming on um sure yeah i know sophia has more questions for butch i know it was last minute too and everything but uh yeah okay. i mean just that's just exciting history i know yeah this is all ghosts all the time on our you know but it was just like wow you know thanks for coming on and everything and uh, i know yeah sophia's got some more questions there but yeah just hold just one moment i'm trying to get things yeah god everything's just working slow in the and this oh sophia you there Hi. Oh, there you are. Hey. Um, Mr. Patrick, what are the plans for the Macon, Missouri location? And uh, like, yeah, about it. Like, what are your ultimate goals for the residents? Well, there's a couple things going on there that I'm really looking forward to. One of us is just the fact getting the house and putting it back into the condition it was prior. To the last owner, um, like Michelle remembers the house very accurately, so it'll be helpful. She'll be very helpful in restoring the floor plan to its original floor plan because it was going to be made into a bed and breakfast, and they had altered some of the walls and this and that. So first things first, it will be to remove everything and start over and put it back to its original state. 
secondly, uh, instead of having a bed and breakfast, which is really an ongoing, you know, day-to-day job, which would really take a lot of effort, I'm going to offer uh, three-day adventures on my property to people that are paranormal fans and Munster fans to where every six to eight weeks I think I'll have a mixer, invite, say, 100 people in, let them mingle around, stay on the property, and then during that uh, weekend I'm going to record my my show, which I want to do a radio show as well, a syndicated show, and it's going to feature music from, of a paranormal nature and music from the other side. So what we'll have is we'll have a bunch of Munster fans, paranormal fans, a few celebrities on the property, and we'll have like a little weekend, uh, instead of a B&B breakfast, it'll be more of a bed and barbecue situation to uh, do a mixer and invite people onto the property. The interesting thing about it is the fact that the whole city, the town of Macon, all 5,000 people, will basically play a part in it because during that weekend we're going to visit the town and go around and, and, and really include the city into this function because it is kind of like the most famous house in town. Wow. Also, too, Michelle, while we have you here, too, you guys, I, I see, like, online and everything, a lot of pictures of you guys both collectively at events, and, and you're supportive, too, I see, you know, Michelle. And um, do you guys both collectively have some events or things that you that you have coming up for the summer season? Well, Michelle, Michelle's been really, not to jump in, I'm sorry, Michelle's been extremely supportive of my sobriety. She was right there at the get-go when I first went in. And we were somewhat estranged, you know, not really when we were together, but I, was, I wasn't really all there for a long time. So when I got sober, right. we, we really started spending a lot of time together and, we, you know, kind, kind of catching up for lost time, so to speak. As far as the, 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 the circuit for me, as I travel extensively, Michelle it lives near, she's in Manhattan Beach, California, and she lives near the airport. So whenever I travel, she takes me to the airport. But at the same time, she's got a business of her own to run, so I pretty much am the one that takes off and does these shows, although she has accompanied me to a few of them, and we may start doing some more, but keystomycastle.com is her company, and it's a really great company, she's got, you know, extremely, she's extremely talented with this, um, it's called almost like, well, you tell them what you have, Michelle. Well, a lot of the events I attend to is Butch's for Exposure for my product because it's so unusual. Most people have never seen what I do. I, I, it was inspired by my grandmother's house, and, and it was a promise I made to her when I was a little girl when I was with her that I uh, collected skeleton keys, and I, I thought it was just ridiculous that we all carry these very generic, almost industrial-looking keys, and there's nothing creative or uh, artistic about them. Like the old skeleton keys used to always represent the family crest or something to do with the home and are the person that carried it. So I, I started making keys keys to my castle or actual key blanks you cut to your home, but they look like jewelry. There's over 300 designs now. I actually did the Wolf Wolf key for Butch. And I, uh, I did, I did spot as well. So he does take the keys to events, and he does show them, and he does sell them. So he does, he's helped tremendously with the exposure. Trying to introduce a new product is really difficult when people don't know what they're looking for. They're not going to Google it. So that's what that's about. Uh, oh, Mr. Patrick, tell us yes. uh, pers- Can you tell us about the personal experiences of Stephen Keithley and his wife and your grandmother's former residence? Uh, the Keithleys lived there for 18 years. I had gone by and visited the house about 25 years ago with the people that lived there prior to the Keithleys. Then when I went back to visit it recently, a friend of ours, Carolyn Wiggins, who's still – one of the interesting things about going back to Macon, a lot of the people that I went to school with and Michelle knew still live there. So there's definitely a returning home flavor to it. It's not like, you know, um, 
let me put it this way. <clears throat> you can't write this kind of script to where there's a haunted, beautiful old house that Eddie Munster lived in as a kid with his little sister right. that's haunted. That you can't you – know, this is like – the way to pitch this was imagine um, Eddie Munster in the Twilight Zone and Andy and Mayberry all combined into a show, which would be <laughs> small town – City kid coming back to his childhood roots and the, the big house on the corner that everybody knows that was Grandma Greenstreet's house that Eddie Munster and his sister lived in is available and it happens to be haunted. It's quite a story. So among the several venues and expos genres that you're affiliated with from horror to sci-fi to the paranormal field, tell us about the tattoo conventions that you now attend and are associated with and how that came about. Uh, a gentleman, I've known uh, one particular person in general whose name is Tony Rodriguez. He's known as Tattoo Tony. He's been a friend of mine for about 10 years. And he, uh, the rock star Brett Michaels, uh, he's also sober as myself. So he got sober about eight or nine years ago. And he's Brett Michaels' tattoo artist. And one thing led to another. And I started going to a few tattoo conventions. One was on the East Coast uh, in Philadelphia with him. Then my pink gentleman, the guy named Chris with Area 51 Tattoos, in Oregon, created two monster colors for me. Now, he's got a TV show that's being shot as we speak. So with him on the West Coast and Tony on the East Coast and then Tattoo Bob with the Munster Mash um, ink cleaning system that I'm endorsing and I'm a partner with is in the Midwest. So what happens is over the last few months, I did one tattoo convention in Philly, one tattoo convention on the West Coast in Eugene, Oregon. And now, believe it or not, next month I'll be in Liverpool at a tattoo convention from uh, May 14th and 17th. Wow, cool. Jeez. Yeah. So, Very cool. what are some There's of so many, your favorite? Well, oh, go well, ahead. Sophia, Sophia, I'm sorry, but one of the interesting fits for me with this convention and this industry is that over the years, so many people have come up to me and shown me my image as Eddie Munster or the Munsters having been tattooed on them. There must, I must have seen thousands over the years. So it's very interesting how many people who are Munster fans have actually inked the images of me or my family members onto their bodies, and that's why it's a very interesting and comfortable fit for me to be associated with the ink industry. So what are some of your favorite shows, books, magazines, or broadcasts regarding the paranormal field, old or new today? Uh, you know, I'm just, I'm actually just getting comfortable in the paranormal industry because I've never, you know, I, I sort of have been to a lot of uh, high-profile paranormal places. I've been to the Queen Mary, the Roosevelt Hotel, Villa Montezuma, Whaley House, et cetera, et cetera. And I've been in areas and felt the chills when I speak about it and the hair on the back of my neck stands up. So I know I've been around these paranormal uh, ghostly images. I just never have physically seen one. But as far as right. shows go, as far as shows go, uh, you know, uh, taps and ghost hunters and things like that uh, piqued my curiosity. My sister watches a lot of the shows she, because she's actually physically seen it. And seen one. She, um, what, Michelle. What shows do you enjoy? Oh, I, I, I mean, I watch everything. I, 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 I get really. I, well, I like. I'm, I'm one of the few people that probably have ever seen seen every scary movie in the entire world. But I, I was brought into that as an infant. I mean, Butch would come home from the studios with, you know, the creature of the Black Lagoon mask or the mummy, and you know, terrorize me from very early age. So <laughs> nothing really yeah. scares me anymore. <laughs> So, Mr. Patrick and Michelle, what does the term afterlife mean to you, and where do you believe that place to exist? Afterlife, you know, I have my own interesting sort of a thing on that. I was just speaking to someone the other day who 
sort of he's a he's a movie producer and a filmmaker himself, and he says because I was explaining to him about the house and the paranormal activity, and he says, you know, I was this was explained to me, and he goes, and here's why I believe in that today. He goes, literally, you can't understand how a uh, television screen works or a cell phone works, but it's all electrical impulses and charges that are being sent around the globe that are receptors, and certain people. Like Bonnie Bent explained this to me. I said, how does it work for you? She goes, I feel like I'm a radio receiver, and I'm picking up messages, electrical messages from people. And Kevin, right. he, uh, Kevin explains the fact that he's been addressing – it was explained to him in such a manner that he could understand that people basically are little electrical batteries. You know, we're, 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 our, our being is electrical. We're, we're little electric people. And once we pass, just because our physical body goes, it doesn't mean that the um, – that the that the energy remains. What what about for you, Michelle? I I know, I know. felt that there was something else going on, and you know, I mean, every I think everyone has has moments like that. You think about somebody you haven't talked to in six months, and they call you an hour later. I mean, there's so many coincidences like that that they just really can't be coincidences. And 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 I think, if I'm not mistaken, Butch, weren't you on the Queen Mary? Didn't you have an experience there? Yeah, the Queen Me? Mary was uh, myself. Yeah, on the Queen Mary, we were doing an investigation, and basically, this there's this large room where so many people and so many. This was a body event, by the way. And we were supposed to be there, and um, I felt myself being pushed. You know, you could actually the the, the, the ship is obviously moored and it's very calm, but yet you're you're moving back and forth as if the ship is at sea, and it was from apparently all the people and the you know, from the other side, gathering in this one spot, and they would recreate the ocean feel, and you would, by just yeah. the nature of standing still, you would be shoved back and forth, which was very weird. I had that. I've, uh, when I was back east in the Connecticut area, that's a very high-density high, uh, paranormal area, too, because of all the Civil War deaths. And this person right. owned an old farm from the late 1700s, and he was constantly getting a lot of activity. He had a lot of the ghost people come out to his place because he had really physical activity in his uh, spring house, which was the old well house, which was going on. And it was just, it became very commonplace and a regular occurrence. It's like the people, you know, out in uh, New Mexico with aliens, you know what I'm saying, and with, with spaceships. It's, it's commonplace in certain places. So what upcoming appearances, events, websites, books, interviews, or productions would you like to mention? Well, my, my schedule is on Munsters.com. You can just go to that. I'm starting to, you know, book more paranormal stuff. I'm going to start, you know, once I step into this arena, I, there's a lot of stuff going on out there that I would like to educate myself more to and be more visible with the paranormal activity. But i also doing a lot of film festivals now. Last year I did a couple of zombie movies. And around October, uh, haunted attractions, as you might expect, become come into play quite often. So, I'm packaging that, and I have uh, some tattoo conventions, as you know. We go into Australia in uh, in June to go visit my friend. We I sell and I ship cars down there, muscle cars, because the Munsters have the coolest cars on television, and I do a lot of yeah. car-related shows as well, which is really right in my comfort zone because I'm a I'm an old gearhead myself, and I ride Harleys, and I like you know old American old American muscle cars. Um, Books and sub, the Munster Memories book is coming out. Hopefully the TV show or something from the property in Macon, Missouri will develop, like I say, into a syndicated radio show slash television show of some sort. And if not, we'll still have our mixers on the property 
and uh, it'll be, give people a chance to come visit me in person and, and check out the check out the house. And I'm sure I'll meet a lot more interesting people that will come with their ghost stories as well. I'm sure if you build it, they will come. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, we know uh, David Ullman with the uh, property of the uh, Manson site murders, and uh, he has tours all the time, and they're they're very fruitful. He has another one coming up uh, May 10th, and, and um, he always has our, us out there, too, to kind of, you know, fill people in on some of the history and things. But, uh, yeah, I, I can see that being just fantastically um, embraced. And, uh, Michelle, so you you have, it's keys to my castle, right? Keys to my castle.com. Yeah, okay. Keys to my castle.com for Michelle Lilly. And I have that link, and uh, which is monsters.com, the merchandise page, yeah. uh, the Facebook. I have all the links posted in the chat room right now. And also, too, for the Making Project Sizzler Reel. And, um, guys, thank you so much. And pleasant surprise. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Thank you. I was going to mention something. You said something about the Mansons, did you not? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, our, David Ullman. Uh, our family farm was next door to Old Man Spawn's farm out in Newhall. My aunt's maiden name was Spawn, Georgia Spawn. She married oh, She married our uncle Jack Lilly, yeah. John Lilly. <laughs> oh, wow. So when, we, when we were kids, Charlie was a neighbor. Wow. I can hear my mom outside going, Jerry. wow. <laughs> thank you so much thank, well thank you guys so much and Michelle thanks for coming on pleasant surprise and again and this is the Ghost O Show with Sophia Temporelli on LiveParanormal.com I'm John Temporelli co-author and editor of Heaven Can You Hear Me by the late famed Fox sighting psychic and legendary paranormal researcher Peter James uh, coming up uh, next week we have uh, oh no coming up we have uh, CAPS team founding paranormal researchers as seen on History Channel's Curse of Oak Island they'll be sharing never before aired EVP of the uh, famed uh, Money Pit in Nova Scotia uh, that'll be coming up May 31st the Ghost O Sophia Temporelli is going to be celebrating her third year anniversary here on LiveParanormal.com. It'll be a broadcast spectacular, and it's going to have all the uh, field expert guests calling in, sharing sentiments. Also, too, we have feature film actor and paranormal investigator Chad Lindbergh will be on the show as seen on uh, Travel Channel's Ghost Adventures June 28th. So you don't want to miss any of these upcoming shows. Also, the paranormal doesn't have to stop here right now today, and uh, we have coming up today starting at 5 uh, let's see here. Oh, here we go. 5 p.m. Pacific. My Paranormal Experience, Boundaries of Reality, Raven's Nest Vampire Radio, Paranormal Insomniacs After Our Webcam, Mike Chat, uh, tonight on whiteparanormal.com and History FM. Sophia, congratulations on coming up on three years of broadcasting here. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.